This is the Rundown. The rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Live from the auction community studios for the next two hours. Luke Lipinski here with you. Cody Fincher behind the glass. Tuesday night football on one of the TVs in the studio. Look, it's been a weird year. As is tradition, yeah, Tuesday obviously. night football. <laughs> tradition unlike any other. It's been a very weird year. I don't know if anybody else has caught on to that. 2020 has been a little bit odd. Um, the fact that there's a football game on a Tuesday night is certainly not the most odd. But if you are just looking for a sentence from the world of sports to sort of encapsulate this year, it is, hey, there's Tuesday night football on between the undefeated Titans and the undefeated Buffalo Bills. Uh, meanwhile, in baseball, the Dodgers are um, realizing it's the playoffs again. Apparently, they trail 7 nothing in the 7th, and the bases are loaded for Nick Markakis right now. The Braves still have only given up runs in one playoff game so far, these entire playoffs, which is absurd. It's absolutely absurd. I guess they ended up giving up the one last night to, to Kike Hernandez, but prior to this series, they gave up uh, five runs to the Marlins in Game 1 and then swept that series and won the next two in, in shutout fashion. They swept the the Reds in the first round, and both games were in shutout fashion. And right now, they're shutting out the Dodgers again here tonight. And Marquecas just flew out with the bases loaded. So it's going to stay 7 nothing. but still, that's that's a big deficit. And this just in from the NFL, the Jets continue to be a complete dumpster fire. They have released <laughs> Le'Veon Bell you know, after they couldn't get anyone to even give them a late-round pick for him. I know that they say they tried to trade him last year, too, but... As far as as putting in the time to try and trade him this year, it feels like earlier today they were like, you know what, we're going to try and trade Le'Veon Bell and we'll see what we can get. And then like three hours later, they're like, we gave up. We're just going to wait. <laughs> it's like we don't we don't want this guy anymore. It's it's very ironic that their hashtag is take flight because I feel like that's that was in their entire speech to uh, to Le'Veon Bell today. Flight delayed, more like it. <laughs> yeah, failure to launch. They um. They are an absolute mess. That wasn't even where we were going to start the show, but we we sort of have to. Adam Schefter reporting, I don't know, about five minutes before the show started, that the Jets have released Le'Veon Bell. So I, I guess, look, if you want fantasy football implications, I believe Frank Gore is their starting running back. And no, it is not 2005. Um, His son, by the way, is yeah. playing college football right now. There's a chance, right? He's going he's gonna to try and hang around. Everyone talks about how LeBron wants to play with his kid. Yeah. I think it's going to happen. might happen with Frank Gore. Yeah, I don't know how good his son is. I think his son's a freshman, though, so it won't happen for a little while. That, to me, is more remarkable. Look, if LeBron is in the NBA and while his son is in the NBA, that's very remarkable. Don't get me wrong. His son's like 16 years old, 15 years old. Yeah. But if you are an NFL running back, and by definition, as an NFL running back, most people tell you your whole career is going to last like three years, and your NFL career is done by like 28, maybe 29. If you're an NFL running back and you're in the league and potentially still starting when your son is in the league, that that is absurd. So major, major uh, credit to Frank Gore, although unfortunately, Frank, your, uh, your reward is you get to be the starting running back for the New York Jets. Wanted to talk Cardinals, though, to begin the show. Still don't have official word on Chandler Jones, and we are now going to head into this Monday night game uh, a week from last night against the Dallas Cowboys. Two teams, two teams coming into this game in a very unique but similar fashion in the sense that they both just won games they really needed to win to sort of salvage their season 
for different reasons. The Cardinals just <laughs> you can't lose three in a row in your in the NFC West, and you can't lose to the Jets um, ever. And for the Cowboys, they just needed to get a win. But both teams not only getting those wins, both teams losing major players. And I'm not going to say Chandler Jones is more valuable to the Cardinals than Dak Prescott is to the Cowboys because Dak Prescott is their quarterback. And as much as I think Andy Dalton is a very capable backup who's been a starter in this league for a while, that's still obviously a major blow. I want to see what the Cardinals... Well, I don't want to see it. I'd prefer Chandler Jones was just able to play, but we know he's not playing for at least a while. I want to see what they do here to try and fix this or to replace him. I mean, there was talk earlier today, and it turned out to just be rumors. Uh, Gambo went ahead and reported that it's it's not something that's going to happen uh, this afternoon. But there was talk Lorenzo Alexander might come back and play for the Cardinals. Um, you know, there's there's they're going to have to probably do something unless unless that guy, unless that answer can be Isaiah Simmons. And, and to be clear, you don't look at Isaiah Simmons and say, okay, Chandler Jones is out. Now you go be Chandler Jones. That's not... Isaiah Simmons in college could do a lot of things, but you didn't draft him to be the next Chandler Jones. You did, however, draft him in a lot of ways to be able to fill needs on defense. And we already saw, you know, they they played the week without Buda Baker, but they knew going in it was probably just going to be a week. You're going into this now going forward, knowing in the back of your mind it's probably the season without Chandler Jones. So, again, I'm not saying... Isaiah Simmons has to line up and be your primary pass rusher, but they don't really have another guy that you look at and say, this guy's job is just to rush the quarterback. You know what I mean? So that's why losing Chandler Jones, I know that that's not going to be on everybody's radar nationally the way a Dak Prescott injury is or you know an injury to Saquon Barkley or Christian McCaffrey or any of the other millions of players that seem to be hurt this season. But it really hurts the Cardinals in the sense that they just don't have anybody else out there like Chandler Jones. Isn't it strange, though, that we have heard nothing yeah. about an, an MRI for Chandler Jones? Like, I heard Burns and Gambo talking about this when I was driving into the station. We knew when Dak Prescott was going in for surgery. We knew when he was done with surgery. Yeah. And this is just an MRI, which is, I'm not, and again, I don't think anything weird's going on, but... It's just kind of strange that we haven't heard anything yet. Maybe they're using the 49ers MRI machine that's broken down. Is it broken down? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yes, that is is strange. But it was also sort of striking that after the game, immediately after the game, Cliff Kingsbury was asked about it, and he was like, yeah, you know, if it's what we think it is, he's out for the year. I mean, that you don't typically hear a coach be that straightforward about an injury to – one of the very best players on the team. And make no mistake about it, Chandler Jones isn't just a, ver- a valuable piece of the defense. He's one of the best players on the team. And they're going to they're gonna have to replace him. And quite honestly, it's going to be a struggle. Let's, uh, let's get into the rapid reaction. The Rundown Rapid Reaction. Rapid Reaction. Reacting to today's top three trending sports stories. Well, we can start with Tuesday Night Football. And the Tennessee Titans have now pulled away from the Buffalo Bills. 27-10, to 10, pending this extra point from Steven Goskowski. So I'll try and just talk here for a second so I can give you a more I'll accurate talk. touch. To who scored? Uh, Jonu Smith? Smith. Okay. And I'm mad about it uh, <laughs> because he one is on my bench. And one, they motioned out of a single back formation on the two-yard line with De- Derrick Henry, who I have. Oh, and nice. they threw it instead. So that was fun. Well, at least you're not playing against the guy with Jonu Smith. 
That's correct. Uh, I, I'm. Oh my gosh, this is this, you don't. You guys don't care about. Nobody cares about this. But I'm down by less than two points. Oh, this, this is gonna be agonizing for you for the next uh, 15 minutes and 49 seconds then of football. Josh Allen, by the way, has two interceptions in this game. The Bills looking like they're gonna go four and one, down 28 to 10. And um, you know, it's one thing if you're playing the Atlanta Falcons down 28 to 10 late in the game, but they're not. They're playing the Titans, who know how to not only play defense but kill the clock. With Derrick Henry, I love so. that we the Falcons are just still so fun to make fun of. They're based they're they're essentially a verb at this point because it's not like they did it once; they did it in the Super Bowl, and then they did it twice already this season. Where you go into the fourth quarter, they, did you see the story where they cost a guy thirty five thousand dollars? No, he and this is stupid to make this bet. Somebody bet thirty five thousand dollars on the Falcons. This was the Cowboys game. They were up, I believe, by 15 at this point, like midway through the fourth quarter. He bet $35,000 to win 1000 That's how like bad the odds were, which I don't understand. If you have $35,000 to throw away, then does the 1000 really mean that much right. to you? And if the 1000 means that much to you... You're just a greedy person at wh- that point. Or you shouldn't be throwing $35,000. Serves him right. Serves him right. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm sure that guy's a big Falcons fan at this point. I don't know if you then bet it again the next week. That guy was waving the fire Dan Quinn flag. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he didn't lose as much as the Falcons owner did, I guess. Uh, To baseball, we have Game 2 of the NLCS, and it is the Atlanta Braves all over the L.A. Dodgers. After winning Game 1 last night, Braves trying to go up 2-0. Bottom of the 7th right now, it is 7-0 Braves. Clayton Kershaw was supposed to start this game, didn't with back spasms, and it doesn't necessarily sound like a lock he's going to start Game 3 either. In fact, it sounds like they're kind of shooting for Game 4. Now, maybe that changes because they're probably going to lose this game tonight. Remember, the uh, NLCS best of 7, not best of 5 like the last round was, or best of 3 like that that wild card round was this year. But, (laughs) guessing there's a lot of people driving around right now that don't mind the fact that the Dodgers are on the ropes. Unless they pull off a major comeback in this game tonight. And again, the Braves haven't given up seven runs total in the entire playoffs. And they are up 7-0 on the Dodgers right now. So, Freddie Freeman, a couple hits, three RBI, home run in this one. And uh, Ian Anderson goes four innings. It's, It's remarkable what the Braves have done. Because coming into the playoffs, you knew they could hit. You got Freddie Freeman, you got Ronald Acuna, you've got Marcelo Zuna, you've got Travis Darno, who was one of the best hitting catchers this year. You've got Dansby Swanson. Sorry, I didn't mean to say his name, but you've got a lot of hitters. But they really only had Max Fried and then a bunch of rookie pitchers, and they're not giving up any runs. And this might very well be another case of the Dodgers, who are clearly the best team in baseball this year, choking it away in the playoffs again. It's only game two, and game two is not even over, but certainly something to keep an eye on. Uh, the other game tonight. Game three of the ALCS, the Astros basically have to win. They are down 2 nothing in that series. They lead the game tonight 1-0 on a Jose Altuve home run, which just doesn't make anybody feel good when Jose Altuve hits home runs. Uh, and finally, college football for the Florida Gators, who have a pretty good football team, are pausing football activities. I believe it is 19 members of the team now, five more today. 19 people associated with the team have tested positive in the last few days. You know, we talked so much when sports were starting to come back of is there going to be an asterisk next to whoever wins the NBA title or whoever wins the Stanley Cup or whoever wins the World Series. And for me, the Lakers winning the uh, the NBA Finals, the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning winning the Stanley Cup, arguably the best team in each of those sports. And, and they had to go through 
a legitimate tournament to get there. And they both both sports had played out most of their season. I don't think there's any mark next to, to those teams winning the championship. College football? College football seems really discombobulated this year. And when you factor in that the Pac-12 isn't even starting for another, what, three and a half weeks? And I know nationally people are like, oh, the Pac-12 wouldn't have won. The, uh, nobody from there was going to the playoff anyway. Well, you know, <laughs> I guess we won't know now. But, like, LSU already has two losses. Practices were all messed up heading in. Now you've got teams, like a team like Florida, that's probably going to have to pause. And I think they actually play LSU this week. They're on pause right in the middle of the season. College football is, is definitely the, uh, if you're going to put a, an asterisk next to whoever wins the title in 2020, I think that's the one sport you could potentially make the case. I mean, I know people are saying, oh, baseball is only 60 games, but, you know, the teams that are remaining, what, it's the, the Dodgers had the best record, the Braves are right there, the Rays had the best record in the American League, and the Astros go to the World Series like every other year right now. These are four legitimate teams here, so and, and they're having to play a full playoff. So I, I think the real, the only sport really that you could look at that and say, eh, maybe, is, uh, is college football. All right, we come back, take a closer look at what the Cardinals are dealing with Not on their side of the field, but with the Dallas Cowboys going to Dallas on Monday nights. Cowboys are a beat-up team. They're not San Francisco beat-up, but they're pretty beat-up. We'll get into that next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Luke Lipinski, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, the Arizona Cardinals obviously dealing with a major injury to their defense. And look, Chandler Jones isn't the only guy hurt. I mean, they have other guys that are dinged up too. Injuries are such a huge part of the NFL every season. If you've ever had an important player on your favorite team hurt, you know that, especially if if that team had high expectations and they were derailed by that injury. If you play fantasy football, as I'm guessing about 97% of you do, you know that that sport, unlike fantasy baseball or basketball or hockey or whatever, seems to be dictated a lot more by injuries than most, but um, especially this year. And that's why you come out of that game on Sunday and you get the win over the Jets, but it was it was so tempered. The happiness and the excitement was so tempered because you knew you probably lost Chandler Jones for a while. But this is why you just go and you take it one week at a time, which I know is the oldest sports sports cliche out there, but it's, I mean... You don't want anybody else to get hurt. But other guys are going to get hurt. Dallas now obviously playing without Dak Prescott for the rest of the season. And Dan Orlovsky says that's enough to sink the Cowboys. Dak Prescott was going to have to play great football. And he had the pressure of almost playing perfect for them to win games. And he was trending toward that. He was playing really, really good football. So I don't see Andy Dalton playing better than Dak Prescott. I don't see Andy Dalton covering up the things that Dak Prescott was doing, especially on that offensive line. And so the injuries to the offensive line and how bad that defense is, I think this is a team that's going to struggle to get to, I don't know, six, seven wins. I just don't see how they can sit there and say, we're going to be a better football. Yes, they might run the ball more, and that'll help their defense play better. But that'll also minimize the explosiveness on offense. And so I I think that this team's got a, a, a very unfair reality, I guess, this season of like, what they thought they were going to be got ripped out from underneath them with that injury. Yeah, let me be clear. I feel terrible for Dak Prescott. 
by all accounts, one of the best guys in the game. And even if he was, I mean, that was a horrible injury. I think we all feel bad for Dak Prescott. I don't feel bad for the Cowboys at all. But I do. I mean, I feel terrible for Dak Prescott. That was it was just it was terrible. It was a horrible injury. It was yeah, it was just awful. Um, you look at what he has done this season. Even though he missed part of that game, obviously, number one in the NFL in completions with 151. Number one in attempts with 222. By the, I mean, he's got 14 more completions than Gardner Minshew, who's in second, which even that feels weird to say. 15 more attempts than Joe Burrow, who's in second. 1,856 yards is 354 more yards than the second place guy, who's Russell Wilson. I, I don't use this to build the case for Dak Prescott as league MVP through the first five weeks. It's not that. It's what Dan Orlovsky just said right there. They're going to Andy Dalton, who, you know, if you sit here and you rank all 32 backup quarterbacks in the NFL, he might be the best of all the backup quarterbacks. I'm trying to think of who else, like, off the top of my head, who would be. Either way, one through 32 of all the backups, Andy Dalton's probably top three or top four. But the issue for the Cowboys is they weren't even winning with Dak Prescott doing what he was doing. Andy Dalton's not going to come in and throw for 1,800 yards over the next five games and complete 151 passes over the next five games. He's not going to do that. Dallas' defense is terrible, and this is all trending towards a potentially very high-scoring Monday night game next week in Dallas between the Cardinals and the Cowboys because Andy Dalton's been a starter in this league for a while. He's got a ton of weapons, CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, Dalton Schultz even, the tight end. The Cardinals' defense takes a huge hit with Chandler Jones. It's not just the sacks that you're losing. He only has one this year, so if it was just that, then you could you could recover. It's just his disruptiveness and his ability to put pressure on the opposing quarterback and force that quarterback to turn the ball over by throwing a bad pass downfield. Or his ability to, to command so much attention that Jordan Phillips, it's easier for him to, to put the opposing quarterback in a bad position where they throw the pass that gets intercepted downfield. You don't have Chandler Jones. It's a major loss. So defensively, you figure the Cardinals are probably going to give up some points on Monday, but they should be able to score a ton of points on this defense. And the Cowboys, you know, we talk so much about how the 49ers have been decimated by injuries and the Broncos have been just obliterated. Those are the two teams that it's like, I don't know what those teams are going to be able to do. The 49ers are at least getting some guys back. Didn't seem to help them against the Dolphins on Sunday. But you look at what the Cowboys have in addition to Dak. And you've, I mean, you've got, you've got Tyron Smith on IR. You've got uh, Leighton Vander Esch on IR, Lael Collins on IR, Sean Lee. I mean, he's often on IR, but he's there. Blake Jarwin, the tight end. They've got a lot of guys that they are missing off that team. Tristan Hill, defensive tackle, is going to be out against Arizona this week. Like they, that's, that is a beat-up football team. And so as much as... A week ago, we're sitting here saying, man, the Cardinals are coming off that loss to Carolina. They better beat the Jets because they're not beating the Cowboys or the Seahawks. Well, things have changed. The game against Dallas, I know it's tough to go in there, and I know it's tough to do it on a Monday night. It's probably a game the, 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 the Arizona Cardinals should win. I almost said the Cowboys. Cowboys should not win. The Arizona Cardinals should win that game. You got Kyler Murray? You should be able to put up 35 points on that team. Who on the Cowboys is going to cover DeAndre Hopkins? You just get you're gonna need something from your defense though, because Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, and obviously Ezekiel Elliott. Dallas still has weapons on offense, but they have a defense that absolutely can be exploited. 
right. So, I mean, it's a story about the Jets. Obviously, it's going to get weirder and weirder. Pro Football Talk tweeting out within the last 10 minutes. The Jets haven't cut Le'Veon Bell yet. Tonight's announcement could be a last-ditch effort to find a suitor, which I, I don't get because the New York Jets tweeted out a statement. Like, what, about a half hour ago now? Adam Schefter tweeted out the Jets have released Le'Veon Bell. That was 31 minutes ago. The Jets themselves, 32 minutes ago, <laughs> they scooped Adam Schefter, uh, tweeted <laughs> out that they uh, that they are, we've made the decision to release Le'Veon. I mean, that, it's a long Le'Veon statement. Le'Veon Bell tweeted out the praying hands emoji. That guy, man, he has, he is, he, his career is like, I, I understand the Initial stance in Pittsburgh of, look, I'm a running back. Our careers aren't necessarily that long. The money's not guaranteed. I want to get paid. And he was one of the best, if not the best, running backs in the NFL when he did that. But that was 2017? It was 2018. His last like good season was 2017. I mean, now, now it's three years ago. And and how would this even work? Like The Jets sent out a statement that they've released Le'Veon Bell, and then they... Psych! We, we we found a trade partner. Never mind. That's not driving up the value. Right. Right? Okay, so you, you be an opposing GM, okay? Okay. Okay, I'm, I'm the Jets right now. Look, we got Le'Veon Bell, and I, I think this guy could really help your team. You're a contender. You need a running back. Here's Le'Veon Bell. Well, Jets GM, he's making way too much money. Okay, well, we're going to release him. Does that make you want him more? No, because then I could just sign him later. What? Oh. This, this is actually, that was, I know it sounded like me and Cody. That's actual audio of the Jets front office. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it was. And if it wasn't, then I it sure has something to be, similar right? happened. It yeah. has to be legit. Uh, this story is out there that the NFL is considering potential playoff bubbles in L.A. and Dallas, which raises the very fair question of why didn't you just do this to start the season? Buffalo just scored, it looks like, in the... Uh, yeah, it's 28-16 now. Titans up on the Bills. Bills Wasn't going Stephon for two Diggs. right now. And Josh Allen, touchdown pass, two. I couldn't see who it TJ was. T.J. Yeldon. Oh, T.J. Wow, T.J. Yeldon coming from... Back from the uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars three years ago to catch that pass, um, it does raise the interesting question of if you could do this, if this is feasible, why didn't you consider it all season? Because remember, you know the NBA went to the bubble, the NHL went to the bubble. That was sort of their plan all along. Major League Baseball talked about it. The players didn't want to do it. They went away from it. They had problems at the start of the year with the Marlins and the Cardinals, and there was like there was a, a scare with the Reds too. And so they were like, okay, we're going to bubbles for the playoffs. And they're doing it now, and it, you know it's working. Baseball's gotten under control really for the last couple months. Football, I mean, I, I'm not a scientist, so I'm not going to go into all that stuff. I'm just going to tell you somewhere Roger Goodell is, has been crossing his fingers that they could play this Titans game tonight for about the last couple days. Because if the Titans couldn't get a game in this week, and they've already eaten through their bye week that they had to move, I mean, it was going to become a scheduling nightmare. And I have to think having the Titans miss a game and almost miss a second game and having the Patriots have to move their schedule. And this is not baseball where you're playing a three-game series, so hey, just put it later in the year and we'll play doubleheaders. It's like, if you're missing your game, that means the team you were supposed to play has to miss their game even if nobody tested positive. Everything gets all screwed up. That is not something they want to deal with in the playoffs. Not that the bubble automatically solves everything, although for the NBA and the NHL it did. NHL didn't have a single positive test. I don't believe the NBA did either. 
So how feasible is that with the size of an NFL team and everything that goes with it? Coaches, players, training staff. Yeah, I, I think honestly the only way you could do it in the regular season is basically break the league into four like mega divisions, right? So just have four eight team divisions and you're just playing playing everybody in your division twice and I guess maybe you play a couple of the teams three times and, and it's just it's regionalized and I don't know what that would look like. The Cardinals would be in a division with the Rams and the Chargers and probably the Broncos and the you know, Seahawks. Probably just be the AFC West and the NFC West put together and you would just do that. Um, it's tough. I mean, because obviously much bigger rosters and everything. And, and it, I just think a bubble during the regular season is tough in general because at a certain point you have guys on teams that have no chance of winning. Can you imagine the Jets right now in the bubble knowing their season's over and they got to hang around for another three months? And the NBA got, not lucky, but very fortunate that Disney World just so happens to have all of this, all these hotels that aren't being used yeah. and basketball courts that they can just build. And where would the NFL find just I, Texas? You'd find a lot of football fields there. Yeah. Yeah. But then Texas is also a state that's pretty open. So that's and not taking COVID as seriously as maybe the NFL might like. Yeah. That's not necessarily where they would maybe initially target for a bubble location. Although, again, to be fair, the, the two places that have been mentioned so far, if they do go to this for the playoffs, one of them is Dallas and one of them is L.A. So we'll see. Just something to keep an eye on there. More uh, more, <laughs> more fighting the COVID virus for the NFL. That They have, and we knew this was going to be the case, but they have had more of an issue with it than any of the other three, three sports right now since coming back, partially because of the size of the teams and and they want to have the travel. And look, I mean, the, the Titans game, you mentioned this before the show, Cody. It's like the Titans have missed, they missed their last game. They almost missed this game tonight. They're at home tonight and there's fans in the, in the stands. So it's like, it's it's just, it's so, it's so different for each city and each team and, and you know, each part of the, uh, the country. But I would be interested to see if they go to the bubble for the playoffs. Because once they get to that point, if the NFL can make it through the season, I think they will. They're not going to want to have anything. You start moving games around in the playoffs, and you absolutely compromise the integrity of the actual Super Bowl. All right, we come back. We're going to switch gears. The NBA Finals wrapped up on Sunday, so we're going to put a bow on the season and kind of try and make some sense of this upcoming offseason with our own Kellen Olson. Next, it's The Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Keeping it live and local with Luke Lipinski on The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Welcome back to the show, talking a lot of football tonight. Keeping you up to date on the Titans-Bills game, 28-16 Tennessee, seven minutes left, and they are running the clock as only the Titans can do with uh, with Derrick Henry. But we're going to switch gears right now and talk to the one and only Kellen Olson, the Phoenix Suns guru here at uh, ArizonaSports.com and 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Kind of put a bow on the NBA season. Kellen, how are you doing tonight? What's up? Doing well. Sad that uh, basketball is over, but it should be back soonish. We'll see. Before we get into basketball, because I know this is one of the few things that brings you joy in 2020, how are you handling Josh Allen's performance tonight? Oh, man. Up and down, uh, but just like the throw that he made last time, I, I think this is to be expected. Couple tougher opponents for him, so it's gonna it's gonna trend downward a little bit. But I still believe in Josh Allen. Josh, Josh Allen, believe here. It's totally because I own him in fantasy, of course. But 
All right, uh, let's get to the NBA. The finals wrapped up a great game on Friday night. Not such a great game on Sunday night, but LeBron gets his fourth title. Anthony Davis gets his first title. The Lakers win their 17th title. I guess just your thoughts on how the finals played out. Miami, I thought, a really impressive showing. I know you thought the series would go long, and it did. Uh, but but what did you think of, of the way it ended? Uh, I was happy to see the Lakers really tested and having to earn that the championship because I think everyone was circling a potential matchup with the Clippers more so than whoever they would have played in the finals after that. That was like a big series that everyone was looking forward to. So when we didn't get that, and then it was against Denver, and um, they Denver did make them earn it in their own way, but just really come up against like a high-quality team that Miami proved themselves to be, even with the injuries uh, and the guys they had missing, missing Dragic for that entire series, which when – I joined your show a couple weeks back when we previewed the finals. I remember extensively like talking about how important Goron was to the series. So to not have him in Miami still put up the fight that they did and give us a, gr- a couple of great games, like I said, in a great series, uh, proved to that. I, th- I think Jimmy Butler showed that he is a top-10 player in the league. And, and in my opinion, when you play at that high of a level in those games against LeBron James, I think you could even argue that he's a top-five player in the league after that performance. That's, of course, like – going off a really small sample size and a little bit of a moment, but hey, it's the biggest game in the NBA Finals against LeBron James, and he played two of the best games we've seen in the Finals in the last, what, 10, 20 years. Uh, he was remarkable, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to how the Heat respond next year. With him back, uh, and just again, uh, LeBron James is one of the greatest players of all time, if not the greatest, certainly the greatest player that I've ever seen from a beginning-to-end career trajectory being 30, so I didn't quite see the beginning of LeBron, and I was very young uh, in his prime. Uh, but just, yeah, a remarkable player, and every year we get to see him play, I'm grateful as a basketball fan. Yeah, that's a great point, and maybe we should pivot to that. I was going to ask something else, we'll get to it. But, I mean, it's weird, because LeBron, his entire career, it feels like, has always been compared to the shadow of Michael Jordan, and Michael Jordan's watching. I mean, Michael Jordan's still involved in the league, and then, you know, even this year, LeBron wins a title, but there's a 10-part documentary on how great Michael Jordan was, and it kind of reinvigorated everybody's you know, luster for that debate of, oh, you can't possibly think LeBron's better than Jordan, or vice versa. Is it just in a philosophical sense, is it possible we're not fully appreciating LeBron as this is happening? Yeah, for sure, because I saw people debating that debating if Jimmy Butler should win the MVP or not after Game 5, no matter what. And if you look at his numbers side-by-side side with LeBron's, they're the same. Like You feel like Jimmy Butler is just playing out of this world at a level that, not that we've never seen before, but just at this crazy high level, and it's like, yeah, that's what LeBron does like every finals, basically. <laughs> like maybe a little bit better, maybe a little bit worse, but right around there. And you just look at the numbers that he puts up so consistently and just the level of play that we see from him and just how he does it too. I, I just think that he clearly stepped it up a notch or two in some of those games and just his effectiveness in doing that year after year just speaks to, I, I, I guess, not only the confidence that he has in his game, but just the way that he kind of just is able to function, I know that sounds kind of weird, but it should not be something you're able to do when you're able to like shift your level of intensity on a game and how much you're really directly influence, influencing it. And in that, I mean, you want to talk about it in that last game, the reason it wasn't competitive is because he came out there and just shut it down. He decided it was over. He finally went to that top, top gear that we knew that he was saving up. And it's just a level that really no one else can reach right now in the game right now. And, and 
every time we talk about like who's the best player in the game, like after last uh, finals, it was Kawhi's got to be the best player in the league, right? Well, it's like, yeah, well, LeBron's going to be the best player in the league until he proves he's not, and he continues to prove that he is, even if he missed the playoffs that year. I just think without a doubt, he is going to continue to be this guy until someone really takes it from him in the postseason, uh, and no one has done that in uh, quite a while. The the stat that's amazing, the 260 playoff games, and he's never missed a playoff game, but I mean, that's that's more than three additional seasons of wear and tear on his body, and yet he doesn't look like he's worn down at all. Like We were talking about this last night, and you sort of alluded to it right there. Jimmy Butler played out of his mind in Game 5, and he looked completely exhausted when that game ended, and he kind of looked exhausted in Game 6. LeBron just never gets tired. So with that in mind, he's got four titles right now, what do you think he finishes his career with? I, I I will say, I mentioned this on the show last night, I think he gets one more. Yeah, I feel like with the the way, I think you have to look at it short term because there's no real way to guess, like, is he going to be like, if he starts declining, which I'm never going to act like he's going to until I see it, like he's going to be this great until I'm 60 for all I know. Like, <laughs> Of course, I'm trying to be cute there, but at the same time, until I see it, I don't know. Like, I just... We just haven't seen him decline yet, so maybe he gets some championships later on when he's playing a lesser role on the team. But for now, in the short term, the Lakers, as long as Anthony Davis is back next year, which he should be, the Lakers have to be the favorites again next year. And if LeBron is playing at this level again, which, again, there's no reason to doubt he won't be, um, he's going to come back at that level, and they have to be the favorites next year. So, yeah, I think he gets at least one more, and I think, honestly, maybe two. Um, I'm fascinated to see the, the choice that he makes following the time with his Lakers and where he decides to go with his career. Because, I mean, he could very well be a guy that just looks at it like he's playing at this top level and he's been playing for so long and is like, yeah, I'm done. It it, it wouldn't really surprise me for him to not wait until he's he's not going to, if he wouldn't want like that kind of Wizards years that that Michael Jordan had and then all like all of those other great players you think of. Tom Brady right now is going through that with the Bucs. If he wanted to just avoid that and go spend time with his family feeling like he's achieved everything he's needed to achieve, uh, that wouldn't really surprise me. So I, I'll, I'll agree with you on one, but, I mean, would like three surprise you? I wouldn't surprise me. No, it wouldn't surprise me. And like you said, the Lakers probably should be the favorites next year. They are. I'm looking at the odds right now. And so I'm going to ask you this question. One of the things I liked about the NBA this season, even though the Lakers, you know, they were on the very short list of teams you figured would ultimately win and they did win. The playoffs seemed a lot more wide open. The season seemed a lot more wide open. It was a lot less chalky than it typically is. And I've made the case in the past that my my one problem with the NBA is usually at the start of the year, you can say, give me four teams. I guarantee you out of these four, two of them are going to be in the finals. It doesn't feel like it's that way right now. And I, and I love that about it. So I'm going to give you I'm going to take these top 4 teams off the board. Lakers, Clippers, Bucks, Celtics. Those are the four favorites for next season. Actually, I guess the Warriors are tied with the Celtics, so you don't get them either. Outside of those 5, give me two teams you're watching next year that could make a deep run. Oh man, that that's really challenging because I while I think there is parity, the safe bet is to look at those real those top teams, but more importantly with those top guys. Yeah. Is it is it crazy to say Dallas Luke? Is no, it? No. I, I don't I don't think it is. If you see a guy like Luca in his second year making first team all NBA, of course that team has a long way to go in terms of Porzingis being full, fully healthy and just getting the right pieces around them. It's still a process in in they're in the middle of a process right now. I think people forget that they're starting five on opening night with Luca. It was, I believe, um, DeAndre Jordan was in there, Wes Matthews was in there, and two other guys I'm not remembering off the top of my head. 
Dallas saw instantly that those guys didn't fit with Luka, and they traded them immediately <laughs> before the trade deadline ended. By that trade deadline, they were a completely new team. They completely built it around Luka, and they've still got some steps to go. They do have some money and potential moves to make this offseason. I think that they're a team to go with. And I'll, I'll just shout out Indiana in the East again. I just think that they're a team that didn't really – find themselves in the right way and timing in terms of injuries. Sabonis didn't even play during this whole thing. It kind of become the T.J. Warren show over there. But Malcolm Brogdon was great. Obviously, Oladipo coming off the injury. But I, I think that you're just kind of looking around and trying to see the team that already has like a, a real identity or a real star. And I think that Dallas has the star and Indiana has the identity. I don't want to realize – you didn't mention Toronto, right? A, a bounce-back season for Siakam wouldn't surprise me. He's a really great player. He's talking in the playoffs. But the fact that I can, like, actually have to think about that and pause and come up, come through, like, five or six teams is pretty cool, like you said. There's a lot of parity in the league right now. It's a great time to be a fan. Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, it's not really a fair question because we have free agency in the draft and any trades that come up this offseason. But on the other hand, it, it's just fun that you can rattle off those teams. And, like, Miami certainly could make a push. And, and Denver, the season they just had, but... Yeah, I love it. The Indiana one, that's a solid pick because I love the reasoning of they already have an identity. And we've seen teams around the league. It's like you've got these pieces, but you don't have an identity. And you're just gone in the first round. It happens year after year. Kellen Olsen, great stuff as always, man. Always enjoy talking to you. Thanks for the time and uh, enjoy the offseason. Hopefully it's not a very long one. Thanks. we Will do. Yeah, I agree. Thanks. Thanks. That's Kellen Olsen calling in on the Coulter Automotive Group Sports Line, your family-owned dealership for Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Nissan, and Infiniti. When we come back... I'll get back to football, and we'll look not just at the Cardinals, but what the rest of the NFC West has coming up in the next couple weeks. That's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Well, I think I can tell you with a pretty solid level of confidence that the Tennessee Titans, after taking like the last month and a half off of playing games, are going to remain undefeated. They lead the Buffalo Bills 35-16, three and a half minutes to go, and they have the ball at the Buffalo 11 following a fumble on the kickoff. By That was Andre Roberts, you said? Andre, former Cardinal, former Andre Cardinal. Roberts. I did not even know that Andre Roberts was still in the league until he just fumbled right there. And this is how confident the Titans are right now. They're running with somebody that isn't Derrick Henry. So... Which I'm okay with now. He got into the end zone a second time. I should win my fantasy matchup now. Everybody knows. Everyone, everyone exhale. Not, not a happy guy when his fantasy team loses. Now, who's happier? You, the fact that you're going to win, or me, the fact that in the league I'm in where every single running back has been scooped up, all of a sudden, Frank Gore... 75-year-old Frank Gore on my bench is an NFL starter. Well played by you. <laughs> well gonna, played. He's poised to get me four points next week. I'm so excited. So, someone tweeted this out, and it, I completely agree. They said it, the Buffalo Bills look like the team that's been affected by COVID and having, you know, you know what I mean, like not playing and stuff. Yeah. The Titans look great. Yeah, you know, it, it's a weird thing because, and I'm not sitting here trying to blame the Titans, although... <laughs> <laughs> Depending who you believe, they they definitely I'll made blame it worse. Them still, um, but you know the it, it doesn't just affect the team that had some guys test positive. It affects your opponent. I know you, Pittsburgh talked last week about how upset they were that they had to to sit a week and and their bye week was forced on them early. Which you know the bye week in the moment it's not a terrible thing. It's if Pittsburgh has aspirations of going to the Super Bowl, the fact that they got to play every week now going forward that'll that'll beat you up over the course of the year. But it's a great point. Buffalo Buffalo looks like some of their momentum was killed by not getting to play 
I mean, I guess on time, Buffalo got to play last week. So really, Buffalo has no excuse. The Titans just went for it on fourth and one at like the seven yard line. It's just rude. That's probably what they were. That's just mean. They were probably illegally practicing that play all of last week. And that's that's why they (laughs) had to push this game back. Um, All right. To the Cardinals and more broadly to the NFC West. Let's take a look at what some of the other teams in the division have coming up. Of course, the Cardinals have Dallas on Monday Night Football. The Cowboys are beat up. The Cardinals are beat up. So that'll be an interesting game. The following week, and I will just keep yelling this from the rooftops so that people don't freak out too much if they lose to Seattle in Week 7. The Cardinals will be playing the Seahawks on a short week. The Seahawks have a bye week this week. So Seattle's already resting up for that Cardinals game that's two games from now. So that's going to be a tough one. It's always going to be tough when you play Seattle, but it's going to be that much tougher when the Cardinals are coming off a game on Monday Night Football and the Seahawks will have not played for 14 days. So if you're looking ahead to this week for Seattle, they don't play. They're going to be 5-0. and The Rams are 4-1. and And I got into this with Jarrett Carlin, and Tennessee just scored again. I got into this with Jarrett Carlin uh, on Labor Day. We were doing a show together. I'm all in on the Rams this year. And so far, they have rewarded me. They're 4-1. and one. I don't want them to be good, but I just think they're a good team. But there's a caveat here. They are 4-1, and one, but their four wins have come over Dallas, Philadelphia, the Giants, and Washington. So they've only beaten teams from the NFC East. Now, I don't want to be a hypocrite. We spent all day yesterday talking about how the Cardinals need to get some credit for beating the teams that are in front of them when they do it. And even though it was the Jets, they still won the game. So... I'm not trying to take away from the Rams. I do think they're a good team, but they're going to start playing teams that aren't in the NFC East now going forward. San Francisco this Sunday in San Francisco. So there's the other two teams in the NFC West squaring off. And then the Rams will take on Chicago next Monday night, like the 26th. And uh, then they have Miami November 1st before their bye week. So you get a sense of what the Rams have coming up. The 49ers... It's not great for the 49ers. They are 2-3 and three this season. They just got obliterated by Miami. Their two wins have come over the Jets and the Giants. Uh, the, the interesting stat going into the Miami game this past week, that was the first time the 49ers this season had played a team that had a win at any point on their, on their record. Like They played the Cardinals week one, everybody was 0-0. Was zero zero. But then they played the Jets, who were winless and still are. The Giants, who were winless and still are. The Eagles, who at the time were winless. And then they played Miami and and got hammered by Miami. The 49ers have the Rams this week, the Patriots the week after in New England, the Seahawks the week after in Seattle, then Green Bay, then in New Orleans before their bye weeks. So I'm not going to write anybody off in the NFC West, but if San Francisco is still in contention when they head into their bye week in week 11 with the injuries they've had and the next five games of Rams, Patriots, Seahawks, Packers, Saints, I'll give them all the credit in the world. Did, did you see this report going around? I think it was from the New York Post that the 49ers could potentially be moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo. Did you see that today? I did. I. It's I, kind of a major speculation piece, but basically it was centered around how John Lynch was so interested in Tom Brady this offseason. Yeah. And then apparently the Niners don't owe Jimmy Garoppolo any guaranteed money after this season. He's not that... Good. He's not that good. Like he's not bad. He's a system quarterback. It's that team is is run first for the most part with Raheem Mostert and company. 
for the most part. The <laughs> they yes, win with yes, their yes. defense and their run. and yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and uh, you know, <laughs> Jimmy every- Garoppolo is a guy, and I liked how that Pete I read it that word that worded it. He's kind of a guy that guides you to success, yeah. but he's not the guy when you're down late in the game and you need him to throw the ball that he's going to get you a win. It's We're in such an extreme time right now where you either have to like hate a player or, or love that player's game and think they're the best. Like Jimmy Garoppolo is, I don't know if we sat here and ranked all 32 starting quarterbacks, since we almost ranked all 32 backups in the first hour of the show. If we sat here and did that, everybody would turn their radio off. But if we comprehensively did it off the air and put some time into it. I don't know. What do you think? He's like 16th probably, right? He's, I mean, there's some bad starting quarterbacks in the NFL. If Jimmy Garoppolo is not, if, if he's your quarterback on your team, you're not upset about it. Like you, you would take him over a lot of the starters out there, but you never go into a game thinking, okay, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to win us this game. It's, with the 49ers, it's, hey, our defense is going to win us this game because it's terrifying. Or our nine running backs are going to... I mean, I don't think they're going to move on from him, but it, it wouldn't... I don't think it would hurt them if they did. You know, it's like earlier this season when he was hurt. Just bring in Nick Mullins, who's not as good, but they still won games. So we, uh, we'll we see. The 49ers are in some trouble, though. All right, let's get you some updates on what's going on. Uh, the Braves lead... The L.A. Dodgers, 8-3 now. Top of the ninth inning, running on first. Nick Markakis. Nick Markakis is up every time I look at this game. Is is Atlanta just batting Markakis nine times? They probably wouldn't be up 8-3 to three if they were. <laughs> probably true. Last time he got out with bases loaded. Did you see... Okay, so did you, you saw yesterday Ozzie Albies hit that home run and Mark Melanson caught it yeah. in the bullpen. It yeah. happened again tonight. Melanson again? Yep. He was warming up. Albies hit a home run and he caught it again. Are you serious? I'm I'm dead serious. That's weird. Isn't that awesome though? So yeah, Ozzy Albies does have his uh, his second home run tonight. Apparently, he only hits them two. Mark Melanson. That is People really strange. Feel like Jeff Passner tweeting. I think Mark Melanson's the best Braves outfielder right now. <laughs> Gold Glove Award winner. That's very strange. Well, it's it's eight three Braves. Uh, and they have one in the ninth to extend that lead, and they have runners on first and second with two outs right now. So they are looking to go up 2-0 in that series, and even the most confident L.A. Dodgers fan, you cannot tell me that you are not a little nervous down 2-0 with the playoff history your very, very good baseball team has. I mean, it has been, we don't win this year, it's been 32 years since you've won the World Series. Now, the Dodgers have been there. You can make a very strong case that they got cheated out of a World Series a couple years ago. I'm probably on your side on that one. Uh, but I'm also not going to cry for you because you're the Dodgers. But um, down 2-0 and Clayton Kershaw's health up in the air. I I think the whole Clayton Kershaw can't pitch in the playoffs or Clayton Kershaw struggles in the playoffs, I think that is, is way overblown. I think there's been games where he's pitched fine and just not gotten any run support. There's been some flukiness in there. There's been some running into Madison Bumgarner when he was at the top of his game. Playoff Madison Bumgarner, who was terrifying to the opposition. And there's been some games where Clayton Kershaw just hasn't pitched well, but you can't tell me that you don't desperately need him in the series. Even if you were up 2-0, if the Dodgers were up 2-0 and you don't have Clayton Kershaw, or his, his status is up in the air, you got to worry about then the World Series if you get that far. But now they look like they're going to be down 2-0 in the series. And it seems like the, the hope is that Kershaw will pitch game four. We'll get more of an update, I'm sure, uh, tomorrow or maybe even after the game tonight. ALCS is going on tonight as well. Baseball... 
when you have baseball and like basketball side by side or baseball and football even or certainly baseball and hockey, you realize and I love baseball, but you realize how much can happen in a different sport. <laughs> like the Rays and Astros are still in the third inning and nobody has scored in that third. The inning. entire Bills Titans game was played <laughs> and and the entire game beginning to end in the time it's taken for the Braves and Dodgers to play a game. Yeah. And four I, quarters of football. It feels like like what time did the Astros Rays game start? It had to start at 6, right? I think so. But it feels like they've been there. in the third inning since we started this show. <laughs> and again, to be clear, nobody has scored in the third inning. It's one thing if it's like, oh, Tampa put up seven in the third, but then Houston countered with five and it was a long inning. No, uh, it's one nothing, and the only run came in the first Yeah, inning. but hey, that three-pitcher, that three-batter rule for relievers is going to speed up the game a lot Yeah, well, they by have, maybe five minutes. Yeah, depending on who those pitchers are. Uh, Urquidy and Yarbrough pitching tonight, and and there have been no relievers. There haven't even been that many hits in this game. What the Tampa Bay has three, and the Astros have two, and uh, they're still they're just now wrapping up the third inning. But the Astros pretty much a must win there. If you go down three zero to the the Rays with uh, with Tampa's pitching, that's that's not going to be a good situation to to be in. You're going to need a lot of trash can lids to work your way out of that. All right, hour number two of the show is coming up next with the reload. It's the rundown with Luke Lipinski on ninety eight seven FM Arizona Sports Station. Arizona's sports station. The Rundown Reload. Rundown Reload. Hour number two of the show live from the Auction Community Studios. Luke Lipinski here. Cody Fincher behind the glass. It is the Rundown Reload and we will start. Story number one. The Arizona Cardinals, I guess, still awaiting word on Chandler Jones. I mean, it's anticlimactic in the short term. We know he's not playing this week or anytime soon, but are we going to be able to still hold out some hope that he could maybe still have a chance to play later this season? We haven't really got any firm update yet other than he was having that MRI yesterday. And, uh, you know, I guess read into it however you want to. Cliff Kingsbury said yesterday, actually on Sunday right after the game, that if it's the biceps injury, they thought it was initially then he's probably done for the year we just haven't really heard anything definitive since then but um that's gonna be a challenge for the cardinals now going forward and it's gonna be a tough challenge these next two weeks in particular because dallas yes they're on their backup quarterback but that backup quarterback has been a starter in this league for a while and not a bad one i mean andy dalton routinely got the Bengals to the playoffs let that sink in for a second. If you're getting the Bengals to the playoffs, you're doing some things right. Now, I mean, there's also a reason he's a backup. He wasn't doing anything once they got to the playoffs, and he was getting worse uh, as his time wore on in Cincinnati, although everybody was getting worse as their time wore on in Cincinnati. That's that's not unique to Andy Dalton, but he can step in, and he's not going to be Dak Prescott, but he's still got Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper and, most importantly, Ezekiel Elliott in that backfield. The offensive line is not as dominant as it typically is in Dallas. I give them credit for building a strong offensive line, but they've got injuries up there. So Dallas is going to be able to score. Certainly Seattle the following week is a team that can score, and they'll be well-rested for that game. So whether it is a little bit of Dennis Gardeck and his amazing dance moves, whether it's uh, Devon Kennard returning and making more plays, Devondre Campbell a little bit, you know, if it's any of those guys, if they go out and add somebody, 
or if it is uh, Isaiah Simmons, not turning into a pass rusher necessarily, but playing a lot more than 10 snaps or 13 snaps. Uh, they did, by the way, sign the Cardinals uh, Prince Amukamara to their practice squad. That's not going to help with the Chandler Jones issue, but uh, local guy and, of course, had a pretty nice career with the, uh, the Giants. So I will say this. If the Cardinals, if we get word like in the next couple of days they went out and they added a couple pieces to their defense off the street, it's good. It shows effort. It really makes me nervous about Isaiah Simmons at that point. I get that you are in playoff contention right now and you don't feel like Simmons is ready yet to, to contribute on an every down basis or anywhere near an every down basis, like an every three downs basis because you're barely playing him at all. But the reality is you just lost your best defensive player and Simmons is supposed to do a lot of different things. So even if you don't think he can do a lot of what Chandler Jones was doing. Maybe he can do a lot of somebody else's job, and they can move over. They can focus more. You're not going to move guys around too much if you can help it because the defense has been serviceable. But if we get to the point here where Isaiah Simmons still isn't playing much like these next two weeks or especially coming out of the bye after that Seahawks game, you don't. I wouldn't worry that, like, okay, this was a bust of a pick, but I would worry that this is going to be a lost season for him if we get to that point. So there's a big couple weeks here for Isaiah Simmons just to see where this team believes he is. We saw it last year, whether it was with David Johnson or some of the, the vets that were on this team that they just let go. If they don't believe that a guy can play, the guy's just not going to play no matter who he is. So uh, I'm hoping that we see a lot more Isaiah Simmons here in the near future because... Number eight overall pick, and we all thought it was a steal on draft night. I still think it was, but I don't want this to be a completely lost season for him and basically have him entering next year as a rookie. Thursday night football, or Tuesday night football, rather, has wrapped up, I don't know, <laughs> football every night of the uh, of the week this season, which i got to be honest, I don't really hate. Honestly, though, like, that could be it. something the NFL does. Yeah, it wouldn't the NFL, it would be so NFL to be opportunistic out of all this and be like, hmm. People did watch Titans Bills on Tuesday. Why nights. be on one day when, or I guess three, three when we could be on seven? Yes, <laughs> they'll find a way to be on eight days. Uh, Titans a forty-two sixteen win over the Bills. So, if you are a Titans fan or a Bills fan or fans of anybody in that division, or you had fantasy football implications, the fantasy football week is finally over here on Tuesday night. Derrick Henry had a couple touchdowns, 57 yards rushing. Uh, Ryan Tannehill ran for a touchdown. He threw touchdowns to A.J. Brown and then two to uh, Jonu Smith. So big night for Ryan Tannehill. Josh Allen, not his best night. Two touchdowns, but also two interceptions. And the Titans cashed in on those interceptions. T.J. Yeldon with a, a touchdown reception in this one. And Isaiah McKenzie. So I'm guessing not a whole lot of fantasy implications if you had Bills in your lineup tonight. But uh, the Bills' undefeated season is over at 4-1. and one. Still in first, though, in the AFC East over the 2-2 two and two Patriots. Major League Baseball, Dodgers trying to stage a ninth-inning rally. They trail 8-4, to four, runner on second, one out, Justin Turner at the plate. So Dodgers really up against it now. They lost last night 2-1, to one, and they are trailing tonight 8-4. to four in danger of going down 2-0 in the series. The Atlanta Braves have been amazing in these playoffs. Sweep Cincinnati in the wild card round, don't give up a run. Sweep the Marlins in the uh, division round, only give up runs in game one, then pitch shutouts in games uh, two and three. And then last night beat the Dodgers, so now Atlanta is 6-0 in these playoffs, and they look like they're going to go 7-0 tonight. 
unless the Dodgers do something crazy. Mookie Betts looks uh, stressed on the on the bench right now, and Justin Turner just took a strike outside that he does not like. In the uh, ALCS, Rays, Astros, they're in the bottom of the fourth. They just one nothing Houston on a Jose Altuve home run. Back to football. News out of New York, and not really a shock after the continuing antics of Le'Veon Bell and the just... Adam Gase just seems lost, doesn't he? That game ended. Cardinals win. Le'Veon Bell had 13 carries for 60 yards, so not, not a bad yards per carry. Those two clearly don't like each other, and it's been that way since day one last year. Le'Veon Bell goes out and starts liking a bunch of tweets from randos on Twitter that are saying that he should be traded because the Jets don't know how to use him or Adam Gase doesn't know what he's doing. And uh, then he starts, this is the best, this is the most passive-aggressive Le'Veon Bell move of them all. And this is a guy, remember, that once tweeted upside down about how much he didn't like the way the Steelers were uh, treating him. He went out and liked tweets about people talking about him liking tweets. And then Adam Gase got upset, and they said today they were going to try and trade him, and they tried for like two hours, and then it just flat-out released him. So Le'Veon Bell's out there if you want him. Isn't this strange where, I mean, the Jets are terrible. Adam Gase looks like he just doesn't know what he's doing. He's a terrible head coach. But yet, the Jets seem to be choosing him at the moment over Le'Veon Bell, who they still owe a lot of money to. Yeah, and Jamal Adams, too. Before the season, remember? I mean, right. that's, that's it. Feels like Adam Gase should have been the first head coach fired, and instead it was Bill O'Brien who made a very strong case for himself. He and, knows things. And, and Adam Gase knows where the bodies are buried. Does he? he doesn't he's got pictures of somebody. Much about I don't know. Coaching. Well, okay, but either way, now he's not going to be the first coach fired. He's not going to be the second coach fired. He's not the long term answer for New York, right? Like, there's no way Adam Gase there's is the head coach no next way. year. There's no way. There's no. He no. He can't be. Oh, no. Oh, the Gardeck dances on TV. Max Muncy just hit a two-run home run. Oh, Eight to six. Eight, six, Braves. Oh, come on, Braves. Is it? Is it two outs? It's got to at least be two outs. Two outs at least. Yeah, two okay. outs. Come on. Why is this guy still in the game? I mean, I know Josh Tomlin, his mustache is killer, but come on. That's what was 7-10 tonight was the, the first time Cody got angry on the air. And this that, is no, it was no, no. I was angry before. That's I was true. angry in the run, rapid reaction. I think that was that was four minutes. Into I the was show. angry <laughs> when you were like, "Okay, I gotta, I gotta wait till they kick the extra point, so I'm gonna pause." And then I went, "Well, I'll tell you oh, something." Yeah. That was true. the first. That's time. true. You were mildly irked at that point. You seem legitimately angry and stressed now because the Dodgers. Oh yes, because this is the Dodgers, and I loathe this team. What if they? I mean, if I they, despise them. If they came back and won this game, that would be. Don't you say that. that. Would just be, that would be Don't horrible. you ever say yeah. that. I mean, the Braves have something nice going on right now. You just want to keep that going. Josh Tomlin is out of the game now. I'm Good. Go any better. Bye. Uh, and finally, in college football, University of Florida is pausing football activities after five more people associated with the program tested positive today. So, I mean, that's not that it really should make that much of a difference if it is a lesser team. But if the Florida Gators have to... Uh, have to pause. Well, they're the number 10 team in the country. It's the SEC, so it's going to get more publicity. And they have a game against LSU coming up this Saturday if they have to uh, if they have to move that. So just uh, pay attention to that one. College football has just been very disjointed all season. I understand they're doing the best they can, but it is very, very clear in a time of crisis how much it helps to have one governing body. 
Like, I've said this before, but the NHL, as much as I love hockey and as much as I love the NHL, in the past, they have really struggled to, to avoid lockouts. And this year, they were all on the same page. They quickly took the stance, and I don't want this to get like broad and philosophical for the, the, the world or the country in general, but they all came together and decided it's us against the virus, and the NHL pulled it off, no problem. The NBA, same thing, pulled it off, no problem. Major League Baseball and the NFL have had their struggles. Some of that's just unavoidable, but they are governed by, you know, it's, it's one group. And even if you don't like Roger Goodell, it's, it's, there's only so many voices. College football, it's like each conference is running itself. Some conferences are starting on time. Others aren't. Some conferences are being really careful with the virus. Other ones were just practicing right through it before the, uh, the season started. And they're having a hard time. If they, if they have a team like Florida at that level missing games now midseason, it's definitely going to throw off the, uh, the national playoff. All right, when we come back, a round of this or that. We're definitely going to get Cody angry next segment. I can, I can pretty much guarantee it. That's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Rundown with Luke Lipinski, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Well, it appears Mark Melanson should stay in the bullpen catching home runs by Ozzy Albies because when those better two are at in catching the field, than he is pitching. Yeah, this is uh, this this has gone from cute to not funny anymore. It is 8-7 Braves, bottom of the ninth. Cody Bellinger just tripled in a run. He's standing at third. He just hit a triple off a pitch that I'm pretty sure Cody or I or any of you listening could have at least gotten a single off of. Melanson just, like, I, did he underhand that? It, that was like a softball pitch. A fat meatball. No, oh, good. Pollock's up. Well, AJ Wonderful. Pollock is, is up. Uh, runner on third. Two outs. The Braves trying to hold on to it. They led this game 7 nothing in, what, the seventh inning, didn't they? Here's the problem here. If the if the Dodgers come back and win this game, it's not going to feel like, hey, the series is 1-1. It's going to feel like the Dodgers are leading the series because they were down in this game 7-0 to, to going into the bottom of the 7th and 8-3 to going into the bottom of the ninth. And the count right now is 0-1 to, to, uh, to A.J. Pollock. All right, we're going to play this or that right now with, with, <laughs> with this drama going on in the background. And... I'm not going to give you a play-by-play. I'm yeah, just going to say the Dodgers just lost. Yeah, <laughs> baby. AJ Pollock. Thank you, AJ Pollock. Pollock hit that ball pretty hard, too. That looked like that might get through. But uh, he grounds out the third. Game over. Braves okay, up now, 2-0. Now we can play this game. All right. I'll be focused now. All right. Well, then uh, I'm going to go first, since it seems like a pertinent question. Would you, Cody? We're playing, uh, we're playing this or that. So the game is we each give each other a question with two options. You have to take one of the two options. There's no, you can't, there's no lifeline. You can't like weasel out of it. You have to take. So some of the questions, it's like these two really good options. How am I supposed to choose between my two kids? Like that's how good it is. Some of these, you're not going to like either option, but you have to take one. Question number one for you, Cody. Okay. Would you rather the Lakers win again oh, next year gosh. to go back to back? Oh, no. Or the Dodgers win the World Series this year? I would rather the Lakers win again. I think I would too. I I despise the Los Angeles Dodgers way more than I hate the Lakers. And the Lakers, like, the Dodgers have been a pain in my butt more recently. And I'm not as big into basketball as I used to be anymore. Base- uh, baseball right is now. your sport, too. Baseball is my favorite sport. Yeah. Yes. I'm a huge Diamondbacks fan. I hate the Dodgers. I don't like the Lakers. I especially don't like how LeBron just like, I'm going to sign with you because I want to make movies later. 
And they're like, okay. Well, but the other- I would rather the Lakers win another championship next year than the Dodgers get to say that because my only claim I have so many friends that are Dodger fans and I get to say Those that don't sound like real we, we we won a World Series in this century. That's the thing, That's right? That's the only thing holding on the, the, holding holding on to my hatred. <laughs> it's the only thing I have left the, until the, something miraculous the Lakers, happens. The Lakers have won twelve titles since they got to LA and seventeen overall and they just won a couple days ago and yeah, like I understand. You're a sports fan in the valley. It sucks when the Lakers win. But it it's it's sort of you're kinda numb to it and, and also like Lakers fans can be obnoxious. But the Dodgers haven't won in so long. It, it just It's going to feel like such a much bigger deal if they win. And also now, I mean, you have to take into account, they're down 2-0 in the series. So if they won the World Series this year, it would be a dramatic comeback. It would be even even tougher. All right. I'll ask my first question. Okay. This is my first time playing this, so I don't know if I did this correctly. That's not a question. It's not so much of a would-you-rather type thing. Okay. Um, we've been talking about the Cardinals running game lately. So I looked it up right now. Chase Edmonds has one rushing touchdown. Kenyon Drake has two. Okay. Who will finish the season with more rushing touchdowns? Kenyon Drake or Chase Edmonds? So just rushing, not not just total rushing. Because I know Chase Edmonds has been a bigger factor in the passing game, so that's why I wanted to, to limit it to rushing touchdowns. I'm still going to say, yeah, Chase Edmonds has two receiving touchdowns. Um, I'm still going to say Kenyon Drake. I think they're going to make a push to get him more involved near the goal line. So I'm going to say Kenyon Drake. But if the question was who's going to have more touchdowns this year, I might go with Chase Edmonds. He's got more right now. Um, no, that's this is how you play the game. You can do okay, it that good. way. Or you can do I just decided to put you through more torturous questions. You're mean. Okay, this one is a little more complicated. Okay. Would you rather the Seahawks win the Super Bowl <laughs> or the Cardinals miss the playoffs? So, oh, so hmm. the Seahawks win the Super Bowl, but the Cardinals make the playoffs. Okay, or the Seahawks don't win the Super Bowl. They might still get there though, but the Cardinals miss the playoffs. Hmm. I would rather the Cardinals make the playoffs. Okay, and the Seattle win the Super Bowl. I, okay. it's it's been too long since I've seen playoff football here. That's fair. And at least, I mean. In that scenario, the Cardinals wouldn't have a chance to make the Super Bowl because the Seahawks win it, but at least they would have a chance. And it would probably help them big picture to make the playoffs this year going forward. That'd probably be my answer, too. Okay. So both New York football teams, we were talking about Adam Gase and the Jets previously, they're both terrible and have started the season (laughs) 0-5. So I ask you, which New York football team will get their first win first? The Giants... Or the Jets? Okay, I'm going to answer this without even looking at their schedules. Okay. The Giants. Because I don't think the Jets are going to win a game. Like, at least... I'm not saying that Daniel Jones is all that in a bag of chips or anything, but I feel like he's better than Sam Darnold and might have some more weapons than Sam Darnold does. They're you know, The Giants, at least, are... They have a new head coach, so there's possibility. I mean, he hasn't looked good so far. And they're in a terrible division. Yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing. Uh, and also, they, I mean, they... They're in some of these games. They they at least I don't want to say the Jets aren't trying, but like you watch the Giants, you're like, okay, they have a chance. They're probably not going to win. But now that I've said the Giants, I'm just going to look at the schedules real fast. The Jets have the Dolphins, Bills, <laughs> Chiefs, and Patriots. Yeah, okay, I mean, yeah, all right. So they're you not don't even have to look at the Giants. Uh, yeah, I schedule. Mean, it, 
And, and the other thing, like I said, I mean, the Giants are at least, they were close to beating Dallas on, on Sunday. Um, Washington, Philadelphia, I mean, either one of those games is winnable. Tampa, Washington, Philadelphia. Wow. What a schedule the Giants have coming up. Washington, Philadelphia, Tampa, Washington, Philadelphia, bye week, Cincinnati. The Giants might make the playoffs if that's good. <laughs> uh, okay, football question for you. Okay. And I'm going to take Joe Burrow out of the mix because he's. I think he would be too too obvious of an answer. Would you rather have, and I'm just going number one overall picks at quarterback the last couple of years. I'm taking Joe Burrow out. I'm okay. taking Kyler Murray out. because you know, Oh, separate. okay. All right. Would you rather have Trevor Lawrence or Baker Mayfield? Not knowing anything about how Trevor Lawrence is going to look in the NFL. We've seen Baker have success. We've seen him be sad. I would say Trevor Lawrence. Because of the unknown? Yes. Yeah. And he seems to be a little more athletic than Baker Mayfield is. And he probably has a better arm, I would say. Follow-up question. Okay. Would you rather have on your fantasy team next year Baker Mayfield on the Browns or Trevor Lawrence on the Jets? Oh, Baker Mayfield and the Browns. <laughs> but the Browns are so weird because, yeah, they have Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr., Austin Hooper, but their running game is so prevalent in their system. When they put that 40-burger up on the Cowboys, didn't Baker only throw? He threw for less than uh, 200 yards, right? 165. Yeah. yeah. So it's just it, it's weird. Browns might be good. They're 4-1. and one. They might They're be properly coached. They might have figured out that they should just run the ball. Yeah. Even with their wide receivers and have Jarvis Landry throw it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what works for the Browns. Move everybody over one position. All right. So, so far, the Braves and Rays have yet to lose a game in the cha- in the in the uh, championship series in MLB postseason. The uh, Rays are up two games to nothing on the Astros, but the Astros are up one to nothing in game three. And we just saw the Braves close out uh, game two against the Dodgers. They're up two games to nothing. So which kind of the opposite of my last question, which team will lose first in their championship series, the Braves or the Rays? So just a game, not I mean, I I think those are probably the two teams that are going to meet in the World Series at this point. Um, Certainly the Astros or Dodgers could come back. Uh, I will say the Rays are going to lose first, partially playing the percentage that they are playing right now, so they might lose in the next couple hours. Um, I'm a little worried with the way that game ended and like the enthusiasm the Dodgers had that Atlanta's probably losing their next game. Didn't it just kind of feel like that? I mean, that <laughs> I feel like the Dodgers are yeah. going to win the series if they won tonight with, with that comeback. Um, tomorrow, well, it'll if be- they put in Josh. Tomlin again. It'll be Julio Urias against Kyle Wright tomorrow afternoon. I don't even know who Kyle Wright is. He's another one of these rookie pitchers that's right. really good and has Bring been. it on. So there you go. Um, okay, my last one for you. What was your answer? I think the Rays will the lose Rays? the Rays? Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you can view this as hypothetical or very specific. As an NBA player... Would you rather be six and six in the NBA Finals or six and zero oh in the NBA Finals? <laughs> six and zero. Oh. Would you? Yeah. Okay. Six and six means you got the twelve NBA Finals. Yeah, but I lost half of them. Well, the counter argument to that, and I'm just playing devil's advocate, but I was having this conversation with Jarrett Carlin uh, before the show, and he made, and I'm going to use some names. Okay? okay. He said a guy, let's call him Jordan, is six and zero oh in the okay. NBA Finals. A guy named LeBron is not 6-6 six and six yet, but if he got to that point, 
Jarrett's case or his, his argument against Jordan was well, Jordan had a worse record before the NBA Finals than LeBron in the earlier rounds of the playoffs. I took that question as like personally how I would feel being six and zero. That's how you should. Yes, because yeah. I would love to say I'm undefeated in the NBA Finals. Yeah, you you got to more than me, but you lost half of them. Yeah, half of your trips ended in heartbreak and sorrow and pain. <laughs> All of mine ended in joy and wonder, and yeah. I went to Disney World afterwards and all that stuff. You do like Disney World? I've never actually been to Disney World. Oh. I've been to Disneyland a million times. Okay, I love say. Disney. I want to go to Disney World one day well, when we're allowed to do things again. Hey, look, if you could get yourself into the NBA as a player, you could have gone this year. Yeah, I totally have a shot. Um, do you have any more? I do. I have okay. one more for you. <laughs> If you were to find yourself in a situation Uh-oh. where you had to choose what to eat for the last meal of your life, okay, would you choose Italian food or Mexican food? Those are my pretty much my two top favorite foods. <laughs> yeah, they're my top two favorite foods, too. Not a certain dish, just an g- overall genre of food, Italian or Mexican food. This, full disclosure... This isn't a fair question because right now I really want Mexican food. In the, I do too. In the newsroom, I don't know what it is. Well, and see, you weren't there when I was there really early today, and people were talking about a really good Mexican food restaurant right around here. And ever mm. since then, I've wanted it. Uh, but my oh, answer, yeah, it is down the street. I know yeah, exactly what yeah. you're talking about. But my answer is going to be Italian food because most nights yep. I would prefer Italian food. But for some reason tonight, I want Mexican food. <laughs> um, but yeah. I would also say Italian food. I love Italian food. So many options. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of good Mexican food options, too. But um, that's good That's it's good wording of the question because those would be my top two choices. All right. When we come back, we'll get a different perspective on the Arizona Cardinals. Chris Spielman has the national perspective, but he's called their last two games, and he's seen some of the worst and some of the best of the Cardinals. We'll hear from him next. It's The Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Keeping it live and local with Luke Lipinski on The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Well, this song makes me happy. And I was very excited about this topic tonight, but we're going to start with some rage, okay? The uh, the topic tonight, top five NFL rookies so far this season through the first five weeks. And what inspired this was a combination of last night we're doing the show and we're talking about how, oh, you got to give Isaiah Simmons some time. It's only been a couple weeks. You know, how could rookies possibly make an impact this season when they didn't have a preseason and offseason? As Justin Herbert's chucking the ball all over the field, or Chase Claypool had, what, 97 touchdowns on Sunday. There are rookies making an impact. Now, to be clear, I'm not worried about Isaiah Simmons yet. If we're at week 16, he's still getting 13, 15 snaps in a game. I'm going to be worried this was a lost year. If we get into next season, this is still happening, then I would be very worried. But I'm not worried about him yet. He's being asked to play a lot of different positions or learn a lot of different positions at the NFL level, and everybody learns you know, faster, slower, and, and some of it is situation as well. But we're each going to give you our top five rookies so far this season because a lot of guys have made an impact. None of that is the rage. The rage is good luck finding rookie stats on the <laughs> internet anywhere. 
NFL.com always used to have until this season. You go to stats, you know, leader page, and you could just instead of instead of full league, you could just search rookie stats. Now they give you the option you can go AFC or NFC. Why would I ever care AFC or NFC as opposed to hey, I'd like to see all the rookies numbers combined. I'd like I'd like to compare Chase Claypool to Justin Jefferson and CD Lamb. No, can't do it. And it's not just NFL.com. It seems like it's an not easy thing to this. compile. It's not anywhere. I've been looking for three hours. Yes, it would be the easiest thing in the world. Just filter out some of these other stats. They used to do it. Anyway. Uh, so you Now start? look who's mad. <laughs> There's a lot of good rookies, as we're going to see, because I had to leave like five off my list. Um, here, I'll start with number five, okay? Defensive player. And he has missed... Two games, but I'm going with him anyway. Chase Young, just a beast, and uh, we got to see him a little bit in the Cardinals game. He already has two and a half sacks this season, but he has missed some games in there. Uh, he's the only defensive player on my list and the only Washington player I'll ever have on any list this season, probably, but uh, Chase Young, it, it's a combination of what we know he's going to be able to do, and also what he has done. Two and a half sacks already. I'd love to compare that to other rookies around the NFL, but that's physically impossible. <laughs> Chase Young's also my number five, and unless I'm forgetting somebody, I was. I'm not so much of a deep, you know, football expert where I know every name of every rookie, but I believe he's leading rookie defensive players in sacks with two and a half. I believe he is. Love to be able to, but I wasn't able, like you, Luke, to filter that. So I also had Chase Young, number five. He looks like he's going to be a really good player. Yeah, I mean, there are some defensive players. Antoine Winfield uh, of the Buccaneers has played really well. Chase Young has been outstanding. Um, who's the guy in Baltimore? Queen. Queen is, although we'll, we'll hear about him in a second. Pro Football Focus is, did their grades of everybody in the first round. Patrick Queen, and, and they gave him a pretty terrible grade, but he's been an impact player. Anyway, I have Chase Young at number five. Number four, that's the only running back I have on this list. It's not Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. It is Justin Robinson of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He has been a beast for Jacksonville. Now, you're not noticing it because Jacksonville is predictably horrible. But uh, but Justin Robinson has been very good so I think far. you mean James Robinson. Or James Robinson. I'm looking at Justin, Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson. <laughs> yeah, I've combined them into one super player. Oh, yes, I, I thought about putting James Robinson on the list. He's on my, my fantasy team, so he, oh, and he's well, been pretty good. Oh, well, you know yeah. I do. Uh, my number four... Like you said, as the music runs out on me, there we are, uh, <laughs> is Patrick Queen for the Baltimore Ravens. He is top 10 in total tackles in the NFL, not just rookies, because I couldn't, like you, find that list. <laughs> he has 44 total tackles already, So, and he, I think it was uh, number 9, I believe. I think he's right above Jordan Hicks at 10. And he's having he's having a really good season so far. Yeah, he was already he was having a monster game yesterday and their win over or on Sunday and their win over Cincinnati. He's just very it, it's you know, teams like Baltimore, they just know how to draft defense, they know how to add defense. He's already got a couple sacks, a couple forced fumbles, and like you said, a ton of tackles, thirty solo tackles already for Patrick Queen, and he's a guy that they got at the end of the first round. And honestly, does Baltimore need any more help on their defense? No, they don't, but they get him and Well, they did have Earl Thomas. Yeah, they did. <laughs> that didn't end very well. Not, uh, not for long. So I have Chase Young and James Robinson so far. You have Chase Young, Patrick Queen. Number three, this was tough. I'm, I'm going to go with CeeDee Lamb 
Uh, but there are a lot of good rookie receivers right now if you want to take a deeper look at that. But C.D. Lamb has been very consistent across the board. Like, I know Chase Claypool was an absolute machine on Sunday. Justin Jefferson has come on strong in the last couple of weeks. But C.D. Lamb really from uh, from week one has been a... a and I don't know, how, he's going to take a hit probably with Andy Dalton instead of Dak Prescott, but he's been a beast. Uh, my number three is also C.D. Lamb. He is currently sitting at fifth in receiving yards in the NFL. Not just rookies, but the NFL. Of course, leading the way is DeAndre Hopkins with 528 yards. But CeeDee Lamb, 29 catches already this this year for 433 yards, a couple touchdowns as well. He looks legit uh, for sure. And it seems to... uh, he seems to have come as advertised coming out of Oklahoma so far. And it helps when, you, when you're a part of a receiving core with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. You're going to not get as much attention with those guys. But, yeah, C.D. Lamb. Could you imagine if the Cardinals took C.D. Lamb at number eight? Well, I mean, there was a lot of talk about that, right, before the uh, DeAndre Hopkins trade. Even but, after the DeAndre yeah. Hopkins trade a little bit, which would have been kind of ridiculous at that point. It would have. And again, I'm maybe not gonna, it would have been ridiculously awesome. Uh, but it, yeah, seriously. I mean, just Hopkins, Fitz, Kirk, Lamb, Lamb, Isabella. It's not the reason it's not insane is because obviously at some point Fitz is going to retire. That's why it wasn't insane. Right, if all those right, guys were right. going to be there. Then it's just an embarrassment of riches, and, and you could use help on defense. Problem is, right now they could still use help on defense. Uh, number two, I'm going to go with Justin Herbert. He has been. Better than advertised, I would say, for the L.A. Chargers. Pressed into duty early, and he's just slinging the ball down the field and making plays. I mean, excellent game on Monday Night Football last night, but that wasn't his first really good game. He's He's been very impressive. I, he's one of those guys, like, he was good at Oregon. He's looked better in the NFL than he did in college. Those, those guys always just throw me off. Yeah, I think we're going to have pretty much this similar ending to this list. I have Justin Herbert at number two as well. Just to, first of all, you said it. The fact that he was just thrown into a game against the defending Super Bowl champions. He said after the game that he found out about 10 seconds before kickoff that he was starting. <laughs> because, of course, one of the weirdest stories in football so far, Tyrod Taylor gets his lung punctured by the team doctor. Sorry, I had to clear my throat. Oh. <laughs> you think <laughs> I just left? It's <laughs> yeah, like, wow, you just cut yourself I was, off. I was about to, like, cough on the air. I mean, you're the producer, so I can't question you. know, talking you. about coughing on the air is just as good as actually doing it. Yeah, uh, but, yeah, honestly, Justin Herbert's been great. Uh, and I didn't expect him to be this good already after... Not at all. After watching him play ASU with Oregon, he just didn't look like he was going to be anything special, but... So far, it's been pretty good. Yeah, like you you understand why they took him with the sixth pick in the draft. Like there's a need for quarterback, and he had a very good college career, but he's looked better as a pro. Uh, ironically, he's 0-4 as a pro, which is not his fault, but I mean, the games are a three-point loss in overtime to the Chiefs, like you said, when he got pressed into duty last second. A five-point loss to Carolina. He wasn't great in that game. A seven-point loss to Tampa, where he threw three touchdowns. And an overtime loss last night to the Saints, where he threw four They've touchdowns. They've played really good teams so yeah. far. Uh, number one, I would assume, is the same on both of our lists. Joe Burrow. Yep, Joe Burrow. Looks like a legit number one overall pick. He currently right now, in just terms of yards, has more yards than Kyler Murray. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's being asked to throw a ton. Sure. And if you've watched Cincinnati at all, he doesn't get any protection. Like, he's got some weapons, but he doesn't get any blocking. He has thrown 
the ball 207 times already in his first five NFL games. Oh, my God. Only Dak Prescott (laughs) has thrown more passes this season. Wow. And, again, he's under great duress on pretty much most of those, pretty much all of those throws. How about this? As a rookie, first five games, only Prescott and Gardner Minshew have more completions than Joe Burrow. So 135 completions on 207 attempts for Joe Burrow. And look, Cincinnati, he has made the Bengals respectable. They went out there and got hammered by Baltimore this weekend. But he's, he's bringing attention. Yeah. That's for sure. In their previous four games, they either lost by one score or won or tied. I'm not going to hold the tie against them. So, uh, yeah, my list is Chase Young, James Robinson, CeeDee Lamb, Justin Herbert, and Joe Burrow number one. Yours was the same except you had a different guy I had, number four. I had Patrick Queen at number four. Okay. But yeah, I mean, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire has been amazing. I, I thought about putting him on there too. And James Robinson, like you did. And Justin Jefferson, mm-hmm. Chase Claypool. I mean, there's Jerry there's Judy has yeah, been pretty Jerry good, Judy. even when they don't have any quarterbacks. Yep. All right. So that's, uh, or any players. That's top five for tonight. We'll be right back at it again tomorrow night here on The Rundown. Thanks to Cody Fincher behind the glass. Thanks to you for listening. I'm Luke Lipinski. This has been The Rundown on 987 FM, Arizona Sports Station.